and welcome back to the Angel Investors Access Show. On this series, we talk to startups, angel investors, VC firms, mentors, coaches, and stakeholders that play a part in the Australian entrepreneurial ecosystem. Proudly brought to you by C2 Angels, helping build a community of like-minded, aspiring angel investors right across Australia and beyond. Have you booked your angel opportunity investment discovery session yet? If not, what are you waiting for? Become an angel investor today and visit c2angels.com. And now let's head to the next episode and join me with our special guest. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Angel Investors Access with your host, Brandon Burns from C2 Angels. Now, I'm excited for today's guest because if you look him up on LinkedIn, his profile says grit, guts, and as real as it gets. He is the owner and founder of Beechworth Bakeries, and it's Tom O'Toole on the show today. How are you? Hello, Brandon. Yeah, I'm good. I'm great. Terrific. Any day, Brandon's a good one, they reckon. But look, yeah, no, I'm in love with life and raring to go. You know, it's, uh, yeah, I love it. It's excellent. Now, you have to tell me, mate, where are you um, joining me from today? Are you in Victoria? Well, I mean, I'm in Beechworth today, but later today I'm in Bendigo. Um, we have a bakery there and it's going really well, but I'm just going over there because I have a... Yeah. Yeah, I have a son over That's there, so nicking over there. thing for where you are, I guess. What was that? COVID hasn't had a huge impact. No, no, not at all. Not at all. Well, I live on 20 acres, four kilometres out of town, and... Uh, I've just, uh, you know, I'm old and grey and, and I just keep out of the way. My business runs without me and uh, uh, and it's been like that for a lot of, long time. A lot of people think that I run the business and, uh, and you know, you mentioned LinkedIn and, look, I don't, you know, my bloody staff looked after the LinkedIn. I don't. I don't want to talk to any of you buggers. You know, look, I'm retired. I, I shaved me moustache off in January and I retired last year Um uh, and yeah, well, I still own seventy-five percent of my business, and uh, and uh, we have eight bakeries, and uh, uh, but I have a young team, and they look after it all. And I have a uh, my business partner who did his apprenticeship with me many years ago. He he's the big boss today, and uh, and he 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 has twenty-five percent of the company, and he looks after it. Yeah, excellent. Um, so I wonder if you can cast your mind back, mate, and share with me. The age you were when you started the business and what that moment was that drew you to wanting to start on this journey? Well, look, I, I wanted to go into business when I was 10, I think. I, uh, I was brought up in poverty. Mum, dad, the five kids, we all left, slept in a tent together, dirt floors, no electricity for a few years early. And then we got a one bedroom house moved onto our acre and a half. Mum and dad had the bedroom. We stayed in the tent for a while. Wow. Until uh, about eight or nine I was. And uh, my parents never had a car. Had dad had a push bike and that wasn't that reliable. Mum had a push bike. That wasn't reliable either. But uh, you know, people in business had a car, you know, and uh, I was brought up in Tokemore, but uh, I always knew I wanted to go into business because people in business, they, they drive the church on Sunday, they had a car. Sometimes they'd pick us up, we had a ride in the car. You think back, you say, gee, it's a long time. I'm 68 going on 30, but no, I'm 68. And I went into my first business when I was 21, but I wanted to go into business. I had no idea. I failed kindergarten. I have a learning difficulty. They just told me I was dumb, so I didn't have to do any schoolwork. I got too big for the desk 
when I was in primary school, I kept repeating her and then I got too big and I had to go to high school, you know, and uh, didn't last long there. But I left school when I was 14, not knowing the alphabet, still don't know the alphabet today. Don't know how to use a calculator, wouldn't know how to use a computer. There's all these bloody buttons. I um, you know, I, I, um, so when you're talking to me, you're talking to somebody with a brain, some, not me. So I have a learning difference. They now tell me I'm dyslexic, but they told me I was dumb. And if you're dumb, you don't have to do any schoolwork. So it was terrific. I got to high school and I didn't have to do nothing, but I wasn't there long. And um, yeah, I was the biggest kid in primary school. It was good for a while. But anyway, but I, I, um, I always wanted to get into bed. I, I, I went and washed bottles for a while at Tokemal Cordials, long gone now. And um, uh, I, I started an apprenticeship and uh, boy, oh boy, I could, cause I couldn't do the schooling. And my boss's daughter did the schooling for me. Anyway, I ended up getting a ticket. I'm a master baker, not a master, a master baker. And no one has ever asked to see my ticket ever. Uh, but how about that? I got, I got my ticket in the mail. Uh, I was up in Armand Land teaching tribal Aboriginals to bake bread in Manangrita. This is going back, what, 50 years ago, whatever, nearly. And, uh, and, and, and they couldn't understand 16 ounces in a pint, uh, 20 ounces in a pint, 16 ounces in a pound. Neither could I. Pounds and pints just did my head in. But I could understand baking and I could teach them baking. They didn't know the ABC. I didn't. We got on really well. And I didn't judge them. They didn't judge me. And it was terrific. And, and it was wonderful. I had a wonderful time in, in Armand Land. I was there for about 15, 18 months. But look, I, I, I wanted to go into business. always wanted to go into business. And my boss knew I wanted to go into business. One of my bosses, I worked in many different bakeries. Every time I time go to school, I changed my apprenticeship to another bakery so I didn't have to go to school. So I went to William Anglis or to Sydney or that, they would have found out I was dumb. Anyway, so I never ever went to a baking school. I did it on correspondence and the boss's daughter did it for me. But anyway, I wanted to buy a block of land and, and no one would give me any money. No one would give me any money. Wow. And uh, I thought, oh, bugger this. And... Uh, and uh, and uh, so I wanted to buy a business. And uh, and my boss said, look, Tom, there's a business for sale out to Langata. And he said, you ought to go and have a look. And I went out and had a look. Oh, I was so excited. I'd come back. I, I said, Frank, I could, yeah, I could do this. He said, Tom, do you have any money? I said, no, I don't have any money. He said, do you have any rich relation? I said, no, I don't have any rich relation. Do you buy a lottery ticket? I said, no, I don't buy a lottery ticket. He said, well, how are you going to buy a bloody business? I thought, oh, shit. So anyway, I, I wanted to buy a block of land. I thought I can do a block of land. But no one had lent me any money. No bank had lent me any money. My dad, uh, he had his push bike and the one-bedroom house. And we went to the bank. Dad said he'd go guarantor. Well, they virtually kicked us out the bloody door. They didn't want to know us. as silly. He was an Irishman, my dad. And, and he didn't have two bob, but he, he believed in me. And, uh, well, they wouldn't give me any money. So I ended up getting some money off of Sander, uh, finance, uh, uh, Sander Finance, a uh, finance like higher purchase. Uh, I bought two blocks. Instead of buying one, I bought two on higher purchase with a Sander. Madness, high interest rate. But I was never going to get anywhere. I was on an apprentice. I do an apprenticeship wages. I bought them two blocks of land and, uh, and uh, on, on higher purchase. 
um, a sand finance limit. I don't know whether it still exists today. Because no bank could give me money. But anyway, I ended up selling them two blocks when I was up in Armand Land. And I got $10,000. I sold two blocks of land. And I went in and with my own savings, I think I sold them for about six or $7,000. And uh, they ripped me off a bit. I was up in Armour Land. I'm as thick as a brick, but in real estate, the guy knew this. But anyway, I went into my first business when I was 21. You asked me that question ages ago. Went into my first business when I was 21. <laughs> Didn't have a bloody clue. I don't know how to use a calculator. Still don't know how to... I, I could add up one and one, two, but that's about times table as, as, I don't know, about times table either. But anyway, I knew how to bake. And my first business was a wood-fired oven in Yarrawonga. Well, I didn't have a bloody clue, but uh, I started and, uh, and, and I was in that business about 12 months and my mate had a bakery and he hated it. He was a government worker and he thought he'd go into business. Well, not a good idea if you're a government worker. Great fella but I had no idea he's a baker, but a useless baker. But anyway, I wanted to buy his business, but I couldn't get the money. No one would give me any money because I, I bought my first business with for $10,000 with no bank. Um, and because uh, um, uh, I had no, I was sick as a brick and I didn't talk real good when I went to banks because I had a very limited vocabulary. I've got a wonderful vocabulary now, but <laughs> like hello. But anyway, I, um, uh, I wanted to buy this second business and, uh, and the bank didn't want to know me. No one wanted to know me. But my mate's mother, unbeknown to me, mate, she was an angel to me. She'd lent, she lent me the money. Now, how about that? Now, I've never really told anyone that she lent me the money to buy. He never knew. She lent me the money to get him out because he was going mad. And uh, I, I had two businesses. Still didn't have a bloody clue what I was doing. My car blew up. I used to drive between one was uh, between the two of them. They were in two different towns. And so I used to hitchhike. And I always felt funny because I had a cardboard box. I thought I should have the brief, briefcase, but I thought I'd look a bit wanky. But anyway, <laughs> I had a cardboard box. and uh, But I bought that business and built it up, sold out, went to Western Australia. Again, I had done very well. I bought a property. Uh, I tell you what, my first house. I wanted to buy my first home. No bank could give me money. No, because I couldn't talk to the banks. I didn't grovel. I didn't. I just had to sit behind a big desk and and uh, get down and bow to them or something. I'm bugging if I know, but they, I didn't get on well with banks. And and uh, um, so I said to my solicitor, "Look, I want to buy this house." He said, look, I'll, and he, he, he found another angel for me, Harry, uh, uh, this guy, uh, uh, he's dead, long dead, both of them are long dead. But anyway, uh, he lent me the money and I bought my first home. How about that? Bought my first home. And, uh, but then I, I ended up selling up and uh, I rented that house out. I, I'm dumb, I'm dumb. I rented this house and, and, and he said, look, we'll write up an agreement. This guy was smart. And, and it was with option to buy. And I never signed the option. So when I told him, look, I wanted to sell up because I was buying another business in Western Australia, he said, I've got an option to buy. But I said, look, you've got to buy it. Or, or, or he said, yeah, I'm going to buy it on the rent. Uh, so I ended up losing my house because I, I had no, there was no, no, that option to buy went on forever. And he said, I'm going to buy it. And, oh, geez, it was hopeless. 
and uh, so I lost that house. And now I, I took in another house. I'd sold the business and I took another house in Albury for part payment. Again, couldn't sell that bloody house. So, so I went to Western Australia. I had collateral, but I had it tied up sort of thing. And, and again, the banks didn't really want to. I had a fair bit of money, but the banks didn't want to give me any money. They didn't want to know me again. Again, here I am, 25, 26, going into my third business. Third business, I was married, but. The baker wanted to get out badly and he'd give me vendor finance because he told everyone he'd have it back. He'd have a six-month holiday. He'd get it back for nothing because that guy's as thick as a brick and 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 he'd be, I'd be broke in six months. Well, I tripled these figures in the first year and uh, with ben, uh, and he had to keep he had to keep financing me and oh, it was wonderful. So I've always but anyway did very well in Western Australia. After six or so years, made a lot of money. I, I but I, 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 in them days, I used to one for them, two for me, one for them, two for me. Taxation didn't like that. Nearly got locked up. But anyway, I um, I, I, uh, I got a cook accountant there once. He ended up getting locked up. The poor bastard, he got locked up. I didn't. But anyway, I got a great accountant today. I had the same accountant now for 42 years. The business now, the bakery has got a new accountant. We've had him for a couple of years there in Albury. They're terrific. They're terrific. Um, accountant I got now, when I got him 42 years ago, he said, Tom, I won't make your fortune, but I won't get you locked up. And he hasn't. He's very honest and ethical and straight. Um, uh, but anyway, I, our marriage wasn't going good. We'd made a lot of money and uh, been overseas heaps and all this. I was 30, 30, I think I was 30, and I officially retired. 30, might have been 31, I think I was 30. But uh, and I promised my first wife I wouldn't go back into business. We went to Europe for a couple of months and traveling around Australia. And I'd come to Beechworth and I could see the potential. I thought, wow. And, uh, and I went back into business. And a few months later, my wife ran off with this big Fijian. And when she left, I fell madly in love with her. I did. We often do it with some of our staff sometimes. Shit, they weren't that bad after all. But anyway, I... Um, uh, I know I was lost. I was lost because I, I didn't have really ability to hardly sign a check. I'm as sick as a brick. I don't know how to use a calculator. I don't know how to sign a check. And I got robbed blind. My staff had a field day, a few of them. Oh, God. We ended up, the detectives, I got the detectives in. They put a dye bomb in the bunny, a dye bomb. And, oh, God, it was dye all over the bloody place, on the door handles, on the bloody, God, there was everywhere. But anyway, ended up, but anyway, so <laughs> I've been robbed blind plenty of times because I'm a sick of the brick. But anyway, I, um, I, I went back into my fourth business and I was financial. I didn't need to talk to the bloody banks, you know, because I was, the banks, you know, I, I had, I had, I, I, you know, I had plenty of money. I, geez, I wish, I, but I, I lost it. A few months later, I lost half my money because my wife ran off with the Fijian and, and she wanted a car. Well, he wanted a car. She's in Fiji. So, geez, I'm bloody, I'm fine. I've got a car in Fiji. No bloody, yeah, anyway. And, and anyway, she come back to Australia uh, and, uh, and she said, look, I want a car. And I thought, you got a bloody car in Fiji, but they wanted to live in Australia. And she said, uh, I want one of the cars. And we had a new Land Cruiser, had a Jag, and we had this old Valiant Ute. And she said, and I don't want the Valiant Ute. And, oh, shit. So I actually took the Jag. But anyway, they smashed it. But that, uh, but uh, look, I, I uh, had to sell up all my Commonwealth Bank shares. I bought them for a few dollars each. 
And holy moly, this is years ago and brambles and all the rest. I had all this bloody share portfolio. And uh, anyway, that all went. But uh, again, so I was in trouble. Uh, I needed money. And my first wife, uh, she offered to lend me some. And I, luckily, I had the brains to say no. And uh, uh, because then I'd be bloody tied up there. But anyway, I ended up, I, uh, and I've done every, I've done well since then. I, uh, I didn't know who I was at 32. I did ass out of my brains wanting to die because I, like I said, I fell mad in love with my wife when she left, when she was there, I blamed her for everything. But um, I, I had to work on myself. I had to, uh, I realized by now, you know, I need another hostage. So I had to get married quickly. I'm looking around, yeah, because I need another hostage to buddy do all the paperwork and bookwork. No, I, I asked, I had to ask for help. I had to ask for help. And that was one of the hardest things I ever had to do. Here I was at age 32 and I had to ask for help. Mm. So I didn't have a bloody clue. I, 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 I you know, uh, uh, so, uh, and I asked my staff for help, the honest ones, and uh, they helped me and, and my business has just grown ever since. And uh, a couple of years later, I got remarried and, happily married today one day at a time and um but um yeah, yesterday wasn't one but anyway <laughs> um I, <laughs> oh jeez but anyway i um uh Tom, yeah so uh because you you've talked about a couple of angels along the way and like i want to make i want to make the bridge here with angel investors and you've talked about the bank a lot you've talked about people who probably sit in the category of, of family and friends who've helped you out along the way. And obviously in Australia, angel investing is still very much a cottage industry and it's a real a niche endeavour and it's, it's quite unknown. So what we obviously try to do is demystify it. We almost take the angel part out of it and we talk about it more as just being an investor and, and you're talking about getting help. And I'd love to understand, for someone considering being an angel investor, what can that capital that they put into a, an early stage fa a founder do other than just pay for things, you know? Talk to me about the mentorship side. Talk to me about how you've been that to someone else now that you were lucky enough to get it early in your career and the experience you've had as a result by trying to grow other people and invest in them. Yeah, look, I have. I've, I've taken other partners in. They've been as thick as a brick, thicker than me, so that's no bloody good. I've learned always employ someone smarter than yourself. Some people, oh, boy, oh, boy, I've had some beauties. I've had more duds than bloody good. Oh, geez, you shouldn't ask me about bloody men, and I should have shot a couple of the bastards. But anyway, I um, Marty, my business partner now, Marty has been to the Mount Eliza Business School. He's in this group now. Uh, I think he pays, I don't know, I don't know, twenty or forty thousand a year to be part of, it. and he he belongs to these different, and and he's got to invest in himself. I I have invested in Marty. Uh, he's been my partner for a lot of years now. He had seven percent share of the business, and now he's got twenty five percent. I just wished he'd win the lottery and buy me out altogether. But but anyway, um, uh, but. Uh, and it's been wonderful to see Marty grow. Marty's ethical, honest, no hidden agendas, and uh, and 
it's great. Uh, it's just great. And this is it. I think if you're going to have someone, if you're going to, you need to have them honest and ethical, no hidden agendas. Because I have taken, I have sponsored, I have mentored people, I have taken people into business and they haven't been ethical, haven't been on, and they've had hidden agendas. Not good, not good. And uh, so that's been, that's something you really, really got to watch. And, you know, we've, um, I've taken in people, uh, you know, that have been locked up inside in jail and that, and but they've been honest and ethical. And they've just lost their way and they've been terrific. And some of them, you know, have just been, they're more honest than some of the other bloody people I've taken in. But, uh, yeah, I've taken in a few duds when you think about it. And uh, I think, you know, you've got to have that belief in yourself. You've really, really got to have that belief in yourself before anyone else can have that belief in you. And that's it with people with me. My mate's mother, she had a belief in me. My uh, Harry, oh, geez, I can't think of his name. Clary, Clary, uh, Clary, his name, I can't think of his name. He had a belief in me. He was a milkman. He used to de deliver milk, but he could see. And Frank Sinnott, my boss, whose daughter did my paperwork, he's long dead now, Frank, he, could, he had a belief in me to go into business. And that's why he made me go out and look at this business, made me really think of myself, I needed money to buy a business. No one was going to uh, give me business. So I got that belief in myself I, I got that first ten thousand dollars and boy oh boy today you know I I lead a wonderful life today but there's been people all the way along who have helped me I don't think anyone does it alone I couldn't do it without my wife she's a financial controller I wouldn't have a bloody clue but she's cautious and careful which is a pain in the ass at times but anyway um <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, but anyway, look, um, I, I think angel investors, I've read a bit about them and I, I never thought about it, but these people in my life, they've been angels to me. They've helped me immensely. They had a belief in me uh, and they, uh, and I've been able now, uh, we employ over a couple hundred people and we have helped. Because people help me, I'm helping people pay their mortgages, buy their cars, get you know, uh, buy new fridges, get their kids through school, and all that. That's because there was people there to help me. Yeah, absolutely, couldn't agree more. So I'd love to understand, and this can just be your your perspective, your personal opinion. We talk a lot on this show about how people who are being approached to be an investor. Um, with either a founder reaching out or someone sending a, a pitch deck or a business plan or an introduction, um, we talk a lot about how people can get better and better at getting to a yes or a no decision quicker. Because obviously, once people get a sniff that you know, you're an investor or you've got money to spend and you want to get involved, you're going to be hit with a lot of opportunity. How have you gotten better at saying no politely? You know, How have you gotten better at delivering a a no or a yes to someone in, in a positive manner that doesn't encroach on your time. Yeah, I think that's it. There's a lot of time wasters out there. There's a, uh, look, um, I, I, I think, look, I go lots by my uh, gut instinct and it's my, I've made some mistakes. I made some big ones, uh, some real big ones. Uh, some one cost me a couple of million dollars. So, uh, 
Uh, I've made some big mistakes, some big mistakes. So, um, yes, yeah, so I'm a lot more cautious and careful today. Uh, so, because yeah, so, yeah. this is this is great where we're going down. If you could be brave enough to share with us, because this will really, um, the audience will love this. Share with us maybe a mistake that you're not glad that you made, but it's, but has been a really good learning lesson, and and you're glad that it occurred. Bloody hell! I don't know about glad. I, I'm not <laughs> glad I lost any. Oh bloody! What do you think? I'm that thick. I know. I said I'm as thick as a brick, but I'm not bloody glad that I'm bloody. Bloody. I um. Oh look, I'm still a slow learner at um, uh, taking risk. I uh, I'm, I'm wanting to keep a guy at a moment ago at the moment. Uh, a job and that, but the bloody parole parole board won't take the bracelet off, you know. So I'm in real deep shit there. So uh, I'm going to have to wait till probably next July before his parole's finished. But I'd love to give him a go. Uh, I'd love to give him a go um, uh, because I, I, I do. I talk to this guy quite regularly. I think he's good. But look, I have, have I I. Uh, Oh, make mistakes. Gee. More, um, we have a lot of founders who get told to fail fast. And it'll yeah, uh, good idea. Listen to them. Listen to them. Uh, don't listen to me. I tell you, I'm as sick as a brick. Fail, make the decision bloody quickly. Quickly. Don't fail fast. It's a crake. Get out of there quick before it does cost you a couple million dollars. Yeah. Listen to other people. Listen to your wife. You know, bloody, oh, she's bloody cautious and careful. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> so tell me, oh, why are they always bloody right? How come that gives me the shits? Why, why not listen to her? God Almighty! But yeah, fail fast. That's the best thing. I think. Look, if you're going to be really look. I think check them out, check them out. Check. I was talking to Marty the other day. I said, look, this guy who I'm keen on, I said he, he'll fail a police check. He said, oh, we don't do police checks. I said, shit, what, what, what? She's doing a police check, Christ almighty. He said, geez, holy moly. So do that, ring up, try and get a couple people that uh, you can, must see if they've got some honest and ethical friends that, but, geez, who would back me? You know, they could see that I was a bit dumb, but they could see that I was willing to have a go. You know what I mean? I'm not scared of work. I'm not scared of work. And um, But, you know, you can be what a, a, a maniac or an enthusiast maniac, enthusiastic maniac or whatever they say. I know there's all these one-liners, cliches and everything can... But look, fail fast is uh, if, if you think, shit, this ain't working. Look, I can see it at work. I can see it at work. They've got somebody on for, uh, they all got a three months trial. And I can see, and I'm saying, they've still got the power. Oh, we've given it, we've given them a six months. We've given them another three months. Oh, they're freaking hell. Jeez, they're not going to make it in three months. They ain't going to make it in six. I can tell you now, they're bloody, get rid of them, get rid of them. And that's the trouble. Then you hold them too late. And then, then, then they're on, they're on, they're on the payroll. So then what have you got to do? Wait for a dark, rainy night and reverse over them in the car park. You know, that's about the only way to get rid of 
the bastards. You know, I did it yesterday. I reversed over. I reversed over this bloody lemon tree. I bloody was looking. I thought, shit, I'm sure there's a lemon tree here somewhere. I was in the Land Cruiser. Well, I was underneath the bloody Land Cruiser. My wife wasn't happy. That's why not a good day yesterday. Not a good day. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, make that decision. Make a decision whether it's right or wrong. Make a decision and bloody make a decision. If you think, jeez, I'm not real, I'm not real happy here, get out, get out, get out. So, so tell me, right, um, Beechworth Bakery is obviously quite a, it's a really well-known brand and it's, it's, um, it's scaled now, I think you'd agree. Like it's in a lot of locations, it's an established business. Can you think? Yeah, we, we're owner-operator, we're family owner, it's not, it's not a franchise. Which, are, which is a pity in one way because the owners would have, uh, you know, but it's, we're the owners. So, uh, yeah, yeah, so it's, it's a, it's a yeah. but anyway, yes, all right, keep going. Yeah, we've got eight bakeries. we just a little shop, but we turn over many, many millions of dollars, but uh, it seems to all disappear again. But anyway, that's okay. Yeah. Keep going. Yes, it's the brand. It's a big brand out there. Tell us what you're going to ask. Okay. So it's, it's obviously a known brand. It's scaled to a degree, but you obviously haven't chose to go absolutely nuts with that scale. But I want to I want to hear from you. How did you navigate the growing pains from going to one store to two, oh, then eventually yeah. get five and really hard? Very easy. I can run one store. I have the skills to one run bakery. I do not have the skills to run two bakeries uh, because I run on chaos. Yeah. Okay doesn't go well today we had to be systemized so for me to grow i had to go i had to get out of the way so they we sat there we got somebody in from outside who could sit there and sit there with my team and they said right well tom does this who's going to take that on who's going to take and people said i'll do this and that's my job and shit no, do, do. soon i was redundant i was redundant and I've been redundant now for 20 years or something, a long time. And But we had to systemize. We had to document every job down, every job, every job, the cleaning jobs, the baking jobs, the, the freezing jobs, the refrigeration jobs, the serving. We had to document every systemize, systemize, so we could duplicate what, because they said you cannot duplicate what you've done in Beechworth. We went to our Chuka, our first business, and, and, you know, our, we turn over multi-millions of dollars and because we've been able to duplicate what we've done in Beachwork, only by systemizing, only by getting my staff, empowering my staff to take that ownership and saying, yes, I'll take that job on, I will do this. I'm redundant. I do not have a management position. I own 75% of the business. I do not have a minute. They don't ask my opinion. They don't want my opinion. I give it to them sometimes. Not good, not good. But anyway, I'm allowed to write in the newsletter a little column. Uh, but anyway, I so uh, systemize, uh, doing the systems. But I had to get help, always ask for help. And that was one of the hardest things. In the early days, I never asked for help. At age 32, when my wife left and I started to get counselling and I and and I had to ask for help. One of the hardest things I ever did, but one of the best things I've ever done is to ask for help. 
Yes. So, and, and yeah, so uh, uh, talking about uh, angel finance, there was one, I think it was a development bank or something. They come along, this is about 30 something years ago, and offered me, uh, I don't know, a quarter of a million dollars or something, a lot of money. And it was great. And that really helped me grow my business. And yeah, and, 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 and we've had government help. They'll meet me dollar for dollar with um, sister uh, putting uh, uh, strategic plans in place and all that. I don't get involved. My staff do all that strategic plans and they do all that. But that is what it's all about is not chaos, not, cha not a good way to run a business on chaos. Okay, if you're in there seven days a week working your guts out, but I'm not in there, so chaos is no good. Yeah, mate, this has been brilliant. Um, I want to ask you, because I think people love hearing this, um, what are you currently uh, reading or listening to, you know, audio book or um, novel or sort of what's Tom O'Toole like to listen to in his downtime? Oh, God. i tell you what, I, 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 tr I, I made a commitment to myself that I wouldn't read any novels until I retired. So I've been reading novels and I've loved it. Because if, if, I don't know, my library, I've got two big library cases full of business books and love self-help books. And, you know, uh, the first book I wrote was The Powers of Positive Thinking. I went back and read it. I've read it a few, but I went back and read it years later the first time. Oh, gee, this is quite religious. But, um, but look, uh, I, I believe, they said, Tom, look, you, all you got to do is have a belief in God and just realise you're not it. So it's a God own understanding. So I'm reading today Language of the Heart, but I'm mainly reading uh, Michael Rowbottom. I think it's Michael Rowbottom. He's an Australian author. Uh, Spies and Neville's killing Pete. No, it's, I, love, I'm, I, I don't watch television because it robs you of your life. One hour, a bit like the bloody podcast. Get out and do something, you bastards. Get off your ass and go and do something. Don't sit there, do something. Christ almighty. But books is how I learnt. Is books is how I learnt. And... Um, uh, the Magic of Thinking Big. I have read it so many times. The Power of Imaging by Norman Vincent Peale. Absolutely brilliant. I just got two books. I just put them in my, I just said to my wife, put them in, uh, oh, Toyota, uh, the Toyota book. I'm just reading that again. Uh, I just put them in my book and I got to go to bed go. So I need a book to read. Um, uh, I, I, um, I love, uh, but I don't read much business book. But I'm just got to read the business book. And my staff said we need a bloody business card. We need a, a newsletter from you. And I said, oh, bloody, I'm retired. I'm old and out of the way. So I'm trying. I'm reading a couple of business books and try to get myself motivated back into that business mode of getting in there. Because I used to be in there doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it. Yeah, you know, because I didn't like to use my brain because that's hard work. But I could get in there and do it physically. But it's just brain stuff, it's the hard stuff, but that's what you've got to do. Look, uh, Brandon, I'm bloody sure I've felt like I've talked for bloody tons of times. I don't know, what's the time? What's the time? I'm going to, I'm, uh, yeah. Uh, so well, we're not doing too bad. So well, that's good. Um, look, uh, um, uh, so, uh, 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 yeah, so I've got two books, the Toyota one, and the other one is, um, what's that guy, the big, tall guy, American guy? 
Um, um, Anthony Robbins. I just stuck one of his uh, books in of Anthony Robbins, and um, uh, I seen him live once, and he was good. Did you I seen Tollard once, and he told me to take it easy. That Tollard, <laughs> yeah, no, feel the fear and do it anyway. I loved it. Feel the fear. Susan, someone loved it, read it a few times, listened to it many times. But I don't listen to podcasts because I have a hard time using my phone, let alone a podcast. But I should because there's lots of great stuff. And that's what I used to buy cassettes always. I hop in the car, the kids, always these little babies, they grew up with listening to all these bloody Norman Vincent Peel and all <laughs> these people. They listened to bloody uh, all these, ta- you know, Brad Cooper got me into speaking and then he ended up in jail for six or seven years. And uh, and uh, <laughs> I think he's, I, I think, <laughs> anyway, I think he's back on the drug. <laughs> but um, he just borrowed $1,800 from me. And I haven't heard from him since, so I think he's, I think he's in a bad way. So, <laughs> so you got to watch, you got to watch, uh, you got to watch. But I listen. People can tell you all the thing. Oh, there's wonderful speakers out there, but have they ever done it? Have they ever done it? Probably a bit like you, Brandon. You sit on your ass talking. About it. <laughs> well, it's easy to talk the talk, but to bloody get in there and to grow a business. Bloody hell. But I tell you what, you can't do it on your own. And I need staff and I need good help. And I couldn't have did it without my wife. Yes. Well, uh, Tom, I reckon we've we've really nailed and stumbled across the title of this show. I think we're going to give it, you know, the episode called Asking for Help, you know, because it sounds like it's really shaped your career and hence why you've been able to get it to head in such a, you know, skyrocketed direction because you did that early. And um, I did it early, but you've got to have that belief in yourself. You've got to have a little bit of the groundwork and books will give you, they'll take you beyond your own backyard. Books will give you so much. Now I can read, people find that really strange. I can read because <laughs> I couldn't, they couldn't teach me in school. My sister taught me to read. I can read, you know, I love reading and that's the book. And when I write, when I read the book, I, I write notes. But I read it and, and my brain will click in and I'll think, wow, we could do that. And I'll write, I'll write myself a note and, and I might keep reading and I'll go back to them books. Uh, wow, there's a gem there. That's, and, and, and they might have talked about what they were going to do or what they'd done, but I can just duplicate and put it into my life and think, wow, I could do this. I could, books will give you so much, so much, so much. Yeah. I love it, mate. I don't listen to people like me read a book. People that <laughs> really did something. Not like people like Brandon, you know, anyway, like, uh, what's your name, Brandon? Brandon. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why that. But anyway, anyway uh, you're the man with all the bloody good. You hear all the one-liners and everything. You should you tell them what to bloody do. Don't get me telling them. I'm, I'm as sick as a brick, so... <laughs> um, so, Brandon, I don't know. Look, there is people out there willing to help. People have been willing to help me all the way along, yep. uh, except the banks in the early days. And today, the banks are, are willing to help me. You know, uh, they rang me up earlier this year and offered me, I think, uh, did I want a mil- asked me, did I want a million dollars or something? I thought, what do I want a million dollars for? You know, like, when I wanted it, the bastards didn't want to give it to me, you know, when I needed it, you know, Christ, you know, but uh, um, 
Yeah, no, today life's for living. I, I love gardening. I, 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 I'm outside gardening and doing what I want to do. And uh, um, uh, money gives you choices. Money gives you options. You know, without, without any money, you don't have any options. You don't have any choices. You know, my dad, his push bike could break down and he had no money to fix it. had no choices, no option, but to walk. That was it, to walk. I give them their first car, you know, um, uh, but uh, without money, you don't have any options. You don't have choices. So uh, I'm in business to make money. Uh, I'm not embarrassed about it. You know, it, uh, 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 you know, um, I don't like living in poverty. I hated living in poverty, hated it. Yeah, mate, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. I tell you what, for everyone listening and watching, I'm gonna hold Tom to when he can get down to Melbourne to come and do an interview with us in the studio. I can't guarantee that it's not going to get a bit crazy and out of hand, but, mate, I'd love to extend the invite that when you are in Melbourne and you're able to come in safely, we'd love to have you in live in studio for another chat. This would just be fantastic. All right, Brandon, I'll leave that up to you. I told my wife, tell the bastard to piss off. I don't want to, you know, but, oh, God. They had me on the payroll at work as um, uh, in, in some former other and she said well you better do something that might be off the payroll <laughs> well it's been an awesome chat thanks for being on the show tom okay thanks Brand. i hope that look somebody i hope somebody out there does get inspired i got lots of inspired uh, Stu leonard i went and seen Stu leonard jr he was a great speaker and then he had to go off the speaking circuit because his father got locked up for Pinching all this money, Stu Leonard Jr. Credible story. And uh, so uh, I went to his uh, big, he had a big uh, restaurant, a big uh, supermarket in America. Went and visited Stu Leonard. Uh, the, oh, it was incredible, incredible. But he just took a cent on his computer, took a cent off every can of baked bins, a half a cent. And he had, and he got caught going through the airport with a whole suitcase full of money. And um, so that was the end of Stu Leonard. Great speaker, but he inspired me. I thought I'm going to get a big, big suitcase. But, um, <laughs> but you know, I, I, I got inspired by listening to people who have been in business. And Stu Leonard was one of the first people. He had a real business. Yeah. And his father had a great time till he got locked up. But um, tax evasion wasn't considered a big crime in America. And it was a bit of a hero. It did a few years, though. But um, anyway, look. Have a nice day and a nice fever, and I'll see you later, Brandon. Thank you. Goodbye. Being on the show. And that's all we have time for today on the Angel Investors Access Show, your series with Brandon Burns from C2 Angels. If you're thinking about becoming an angel investor and you don't know where to start, then you know exactly where to head, c2angels.com, and book your angel investment opportunity discovery session now. Until next time, I'm Brandon Burns, and I'll catch you later.